say we'll be chatting to Dane Clayt. We were supposed to do that yesterday, but true to our word, the man of the moment is on the line. Dane, a warm welcome to the show. Not too sure what happened there. Must have been me. A bit of a finger problem. <laughs> Timmy is laughing at me. So we'll get Dane back on the line. I apologize. I I, 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 I accept it's me. It's me. <laughs> so please go ahead and send through uh, any of the questions that you want to ask Dane from any of the clubs that he used to play for to what it is he's doing now. We're about to find all of that out. So 0605842250. And not forgetting also, we round off our show by chatting to Adnan Mohammed, uh, just talking about these exercising that we are allowed to do between six and nine in the morning. Exercise being running and walking. Uh, gyms are not opening, neither are Pilates and yoga studios, we heard a short while ago. But um, can we do it better? You know, we've never been through uh, COVID-19. We've never been through a lockdown. We've never had to, you know, start easing uh, people back to work the way we have. And so think about it. Uh, You and I, if it is that you could do it differently, how would you do it differently? I think the staggered approach is what I would take when it comes to just letting people go back uh, to exercising or running and the way we do it. I mean, Cape Town is beautiful and it's with no doubt why the promenade was swamped the way it was. Well, I did say man of the moment is Dane Clayt. I've pressed all the right buttons and he is on the line. Dane, a warm welcome to the show. Good afternoon, good afternoon to all the listeners. Good to have you. I mean, day 38 of a lockdown. How have you spent the last month and a bit uh, with the boys and the wife in the house, shut down? Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's been okay. I think um, I would say fortunate because you'll never get this uninterrupted time again with a family like mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we've kept busy and obviously um, uh, online work for the boys came in fortunately enough. So uh, yeah, we've been, we've been okay and uh, we've, we've been carrying on. Are you the teacher or are you the principal with this uh, homeschooling? I think it, uh, because we have two, so a bit of both. Um, I help uh, always the, the little one. The the grade the grade three work is a little little less, uh-huh. a little easier for uh-huh. me to do. <laughs> so that you can take on the grade five work exactly. So teacher and principal, right? Yeah, you have to be the teacher and the principal. Dane, where would you rate football in your life at the moment, or uh, rank it rather? I mean, would you say it used to be number one and now perhaps number five? Yeah, definitely. I think yeah, definitely number five at the moment. Yeah, I would also say, and um, that used to be obviously what I used to do every day. But uh, I think uh, I've learned a lot since retiring, and a lot of time with the family, and uh, there's definitely more to life than football. What have you learned after retiring? I think I think I think what's more important is uh, the the biggest thing and the positive side for me that I've learned is that I've, I've left a real. Uh, legacy behind me in in what I've achieved in football, and everybody just keeps reminding me. Um, all the all the stuff that's playing on TV currently that they mm. on repeat. Um, people send me video clips of me and messages saying how much I did during my career, and it just gave me a lot of time to reflect there as well. You know, and and obviously uh, look into it more on how I achieved it, and and, and take me back to my journey. So a lot of. Uh, in retrospection on on where on way to from here, and I've realised that you know obviously coaching is important, and mm-hmm. I think I've got something to give back to the game. Mm-hmm. Was this always the plan, though, um, for you to retire at the time you did, w- or did the moment just present itself and you decided, okay, it it is time, or did you build up to that? Was it always a part of your plan? I, I wouldn't say it was part of my plan at the time, uh, but I think it's, it's everything I imagined it to be. 
you know, I wanted to stop playing when I when I felt like uh, I don't want to go anymore. You know, I shouldn't be forced into looking for contracts and, and those type of things. You know, so uh, I, I think I just I kind of felt in the morning when you wake up and you start going to training and you're not feeling the whole vibe anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that was the biggest uh, biggest thing for me in, in retiring the way that. But a lot of people get them on the streets. Still says to me, I, I did it too early, yeah. and that's always what I wanted to hear. Did you? I guess is there a moment where you even doubt yourself when you hear things like, "But you still have it in you." You know, you could have still gone a couple of seasons more. Do you doubt yourself and the decision that you've made when you hear those comments? No, not at all. I think I've, I've achieved everything I have. I did everything I could. And I, I appreciated what I had when I played. You know, I looked after what I had. So, uh, but uh, I'm a bit, I'm a lot, I'm, con- I'm content and, and very fulfilled with everything that I have achieved. You know, and if you ask me if I'll do it again uh, when I did it, I will definitely say yes. What do you miss the most, and what do you miss the least? Uh, I think obviously camping and going <laughs> away with the guys. I think that's second to none. You know, uh, especially when you go on away games and. You know, you get to spend time pre-season trips. You know, pre-season not the not the not the best time in terms of training, mm. but in terms of team bonding and being with the guys in in a at the hotel or in a camp. You know, for a week or more. You know, those are those are the the, the things I miss the most. I think. The least. I think the least uh, is tra- pre-season training. You know, I don't <laughs> want to do pre-season training. So definitely, you know, pre-season training. I don't want to do that again. Yeah, yeah, no, not again. So that that must be the least. In this time, though, um, as much as you're reflecting, thinking about your future, knowing that coaching is the direction that you want to take, you also dug in deep and decided to lend a hand to those uh, most vulnerable within your community where you are. Please share that story with us. Yeah, it, uh, I think it's, uh, you know, it's been a long time coming. You know, I've obviously been away from P all the years, for 19 years, and I'm back into P, you know, and I, I really wanted to start something at uh, a while ago, but when you are playing and when you are in your career, you know, when you're married and you got kids and all those type of things, you know, you don't really get uh, time to, uh, for to do the things that you really want to do, you know, which is uh, put a helping hand back. You know, you tend to 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 give those tasks to people for people to do for you, you know, mm. and it's not the same. It doesn't carry the same weight when you're not able to do it yourself. Mm. So uh, yeah, it came about about two weeks ago, I think. Um, I was chatting on one of the groups where all the guys we grew up together in the area in Galvindale. And uh, we just decided each of us was going to uh, donate something. And when we looked again, we had 3,000 rand and we went to go buy a few, uh, uh, like five items, you know, per pack. Mm-hmm. And it cost us like 15 rand a pack to make uh, for a household. So uh, we ended up distributing 150 packs, you know, it took us three days to do it. You wow. know, and uh, from there on, we realized, you know, we asked for people in the community for help and everything came in. When we looked again, we had 10,000 rand, you know, wow. and we were able to, to make 200 parcels with, with 11 items in uh, mm. uh, with, within two weeks, you know. So, obviously, uh, something that I always wanted to do, and and uh, a lot of people have offered me, for example, to do a Danklet Foundation, but I think this is the right way, you know, with people I grew up with. And uh, I think some of these, uh, some of the guys I grew up with is obviously going to be involved in the in the foundation mm. and we're all going to gonna work, uh, work with it in our community. I have goosebumps with you telling me that story. But very quickly, before we go to the lines, because I know some of our listeners want to ask you questions, Dane, but give me a little bit of background on Galvindale and what is the area and the community like? Yeah, in Galvindale, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's probably, it's, for people to relate, it's probably similar to, to Westbury mm-hmm. in Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's gang-ridden at the moment also, so... 
So lots of drugs, lots of alcoholism, lots of alcohol abuse happening over there. And, you know, it's, it's just an area I grew up with, you know, and to see it the way it is today, you know, and how it used to be, you know, it, when we grew up, uh, our parents and our grandparents always used to say to us, you know, in our day, you know, and I can also say now when I grew up and mm-hmm. I was five, six, seven, eight years old, you know, the things that's happening now never happened back then. You don't see the, the children playing in the street anymore, yeah. in the schoolyards, soccer, cricket, you know, all types of different sports, you know, they're busy doing the wrong things instead. Mm, mm, definitely. Good on you. Good on you for giving back uh, uh, that, that story. Like I said, goosebumpy moments. Let's go to Newcastle. Lemmy is on the line. Lemmy, you're live on the air and Dane's listening. Go ahead. How are you, Romy? Always good, Lemmy. And you? Dane Kate, how are you? I'm very well, sir. Thank you. You know, Romy, they say dynamite comes in small packages. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, if you look at his structure, he would deceive you. But the way he played, he was so strong and, and robust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but two quick questions to Dane Clay. Go ahead. Uh, between Supersport and Perez, where would you say was his best football? Okay. Yeah, where he played his best football. And secondly, his teammates. Who would you say was his best teammate, either in Supersport or in Perez? Thank well, you, Ron. You're more than welcome. Thank you so much there too, Lemmy. You heard the questions. Fire away, Dane. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's something I thought about the other day. Mm-hmm. And um, it's obviously for me, I think uh, when I was at Supersport United, you know, before I moved to Pirates, you know, they always I get asked this question, and uh, I would probably say Supersport because uh, one of two reasons I grew up at the club and obviously became a vital part of the club and yeah. a vital a member of the team. You know, where in the last season I was at Supersport, you know, everybody would count on me to do something. You know, that's the, the kind of teammates I, I would have. That they would depend on me. I would say. No, no, when I moved to Pirates, it was a different, I had to reinvent myself, kind of, because yeah. I came from a place where I was one of the main pieces of the puzzle, you know, and I in, in an environment with a bigger team, you know, with more stars in it, mm. you know, and more players that's, that's you know, will probably think that I just got there, you know, irrespective, I come from Supersport or wherever, you know, they've the players that have been there uh, with Orlando Pirates, so I had to respect that, and I had to kind of reinvent myself to say that I'm not the most important one anymore, and I just have to try and contribute to this team now as, as much as I can and try and build myself up again for, for teammates to trust me in that regard like I was trusted at Supersport. Mm-hmm. Your best teammate, someone, uh, the two of you were thick as thieves. Who was that? I think I have two when I was at Supersport. Uh, <laughs> with, uh, it was Ricardo Katza and Shane Pochenpo. Uh-huh. You know, we were inseparable, the three of us, uh, when it came to being friends on and off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and why? Uh, I think we just grew a close bond. Katza uh, took me under his wing when, when, when I joined from the academy. You know, he kind of just, uh, you know, gave me a lot of advice and, and helped me become a professional player when I joined the first team. And then, obviously, uh, when I was at Supersport, uh, we, we managed to sign. I used to admire Shane Pochenpool at the Bail tournament, watching mm-hmm. him play in the midfield. You know, and then the Supersport signed Shane Pochenpool from Ajax. You know, and I think the three of us just grew very, very close. We stayed close <laughs> to each other, so we nice. like family friends, you know. The three musketeers, and I'm sure yes. got up to mischief together as well. Let's go to Kruinstadt. Mickey is holding for you. Mickey, you're live on the air. How are you? How are you? Me? Always good. Go ahead with your question, Mickey. I'm fine, yes. Uh, good day, good day, uh, day. Good, good, good day, sir. Yeah, I just want an advice, ne? because I'm aware that we have been retired and... What is your message to the current uh, players who want to go to to retire, taking into consideration that 
Uh, you have to take your finances very carefully, your family, you have to engage everyone before you can retire. What is your message? Seeing that other players don't have that discipline in terms of their finances. Thank you. Good question, Mickey. Thank you very much for that one. Before you answer, Dane, let's very quickly go to Dundee, where Anele is on the line. Go ahead with your question, Anele. Hi. Good afternoon, uh, Ronnie, and good afternoon to Dane. Good afternoon, good afternoon. Sure. Uh, Dane, uh, I think uh, watching your career when I was still growing up, you, you've done exceptionally well. Uh, I would like to congratulate you on that. And uh, my question is, uh, what was your perspective on the goal, on the own goal that you scored when you played Kaiser Chiefs, uh, the <laughs> Masona own goal? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much there okay. to Anele out in Dundee yeah. and everybody for calling through with those questions. Um, where do you want to start? You want to start with that own goal? Yeah, I think the own goal. Um, yeah, it was obviously a sad moment for me. My first derby for Orlando Pirates, I scored an own goal. Um, but uh, yeah, it was one of two things. I think for a week I didn't go out of the house. <laughs> I didn't go anywhere because if you go to the shop, people are going to ask you what happened. You know? yeah. yeah, but it's all about, you know, at the time, because Rudy Crow was the coach and he used to he used to, to to teach us a lot of things, you know, I mean, he's a World Cup winner back in the day, so he always used to say to us, you know, in team meetings and, and before we play matches, he used to say sometimes we need to do things with, with our heads more than with our hearts, mm. you know, and that's exactly what happened there. I ran back and I tried to, to go and help in, in, in defense because we were in danger, but I ended up thinking, you know, with my heart, not with my head, yeah. the ball's going to be landing here on my feet, you know, and that just so happened. You know, and when I told Coach Crow, you know, that's what happened because that's what he taught us. You know, he was very, very impressed with it and he encouraged me to say that as long as I understand what happened, you know, I can I can move on and, and do well. And, mm. and it just so happened that I, that I bounced back from it. Yeah, yeah, which you did. I mean, which you did. Um, I think Mickey asks a very important question in terms of being future fit um, and investing money because football, I mean, it's not it's not forever. Yeah, that's uh, that's an important question, and you know, I was never, you know, I, I don't think any footballer um, uh, has been really that prepared here in South Africa for it. You know, obviously, a, a part of the reason I also retired was because of that. You know, I wanted to go through a transition of knowing what I earned as a footballer and what I'm about to earn going forward. You know, I can work, start working on that, and equipping myself for for life after football. Because uh, no matter some some salaries are high in the PSL, obviously, but. I don't think it's high enough to sustain your life, you know, uh, beyond mm. beyond retirement. Mm. I'm talking about age 60 years old now. Maybe if you invest, you can probably live for three, four years or five years of that investment because it's been a short career of 10 years. You know, bearing in mind that you, you're you living a lifestyle. Obviously, there's a lifestyle trend of, of owning your own house and owning your own car and a little big house in a complex and those type of things, you know. So uh, living the now is, is important as well for players because... Uh, there's no use investing all that money and not, and not actually enjoying it while you're living, you know, because as they say, life is short mm. and it can be taken away anytime. So I think there's a fine line between living the now and, and preparing for the future. But definitely in South Africa, the way we're earning in South Africa, I don't think it's sustainable enough to sustain our lifestyle for for, for when we're playing and how we're living to, to be on football. You know, some things are to give in between. And obviously, the most important thing for me, I think, and, and what I've learned is that, you know, you have to equip yourself. You can't just expect because I've, because I've won so many trophies and so many different teams, yeah. you know, that something is going to fall on my lap. You know, I have to go out there and equip myself, which is exactly what I'm doing with my coaching badges in Ireland. Mm. So uh, I'm getting to study at least and, and studying coaching, you know, because sometimes as players also what I've realized is players expect 
things to fall on the lap like they were players because I can tell you we're very, very spoiled during our playing days because everything is given to us in a mm. silver platter, mm. you know. So, uh, but up to, it's up to you as a, as a player as well, whether you do it, whether you're doing it while you are playing or, or whether you're going to prepare for when you actually retire, you know, it's all up to you. But as long as there's a plan in place and uh, that little transition of a year or two after retiring, obviously, to, in, to invent yourself into 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 life without playing. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's it's important and, you know, psychologically you have to be involved in football in some capacity during mm-hmm. that time. If I may actually ask and bring your wife into the picture, is it, I guess, great grounding in order to have someone to hold you back and perhaps even a family that you look back at and even though you're playing, know that you are responsible for a family, for their livelihood, to see your boys go to school and possibly put them in great schools, you know, if you're able to, with the financial literacy part of it, do you think footballers get enough of that? Because I know that you are part of a net bank group for financial literacy, but is it enough, Dane? Is it enough where you now sit and go, okay, I've saved enough money, I, I, I'm pretty comfortable for the next three years. Is enough being done currently with current players? No, definitely not. I think not because you go from earning, you, you literally go from earning 50000 to earning nothing, you know, and, and that in itself is, 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 is a big... Uh, I was fortunate enough also when I retired, I was a, a, the ski coach a chipper for another six months, you mm-hmm. know, so it allowed me another stream of income. So, uh, but it's difficult for some players to earn all that money and then uh, all of a sudden you're not earning any money, you know, and you've got all this uh, mortgage bond that we have for, you've taken out for 20 years and, you know, and in football you, you can't really, you don't have 20 years in football as a player, yeah. I would say. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, again, I think there's not enough emphasis on it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's also the one that must come from the players to learn, you know, because there's no use us preaching and, and saying things to players if they don't want to grasp it themselves, you know, they should be coming forward and saying, how do you do it? What do I, what do I need to do? Mm. You know, mm. so it's all about the, them wanting advice and not and not needing advice only. Yeah, they must true. want it as well. True, true. You can only do so much. Is having a family grounding? I mean, do you look back and feel a great sense of responsibility uh, for the people that you love and care for? Yeah, definitely. I think when you have a family to, to look after, you know, everything means so much more. You know, especially when you're coming out from a, from a good family household and growing up, you know, and now you have your own. You know, you just relive of what you what you were taught and the values you were taught and you try and instill that. But it becomes really important. You know, a lot of sacrificing, a lot of time being away from home, you know, and now with me going into coaching, you know. So it's, it's, it's literally, I'm literally thankful for this time that I have now with the family mm. because who knows in three, four, five months' time or a year's time or two years' time, I might be traveling, you know. So also need to appreciate the now, like I'm saying, with this lockdown, you know, it's... it's for me, I'm taking it more as a blessing yeah, than anything else. A blessing in disguise. Let's go to Motherwell in PE, where Mzukisi is uh, holding for us. Mzu, you're live on the air. Go ahead. Hello, Romeo. Always good. Thank you. Your question. Yeah. Uh, 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 good day, uh, Clayton. How are you? I'm well, and you, sir? Uh, I'm, I'm fine, man. I wanted to ask you, man... Uh, why is it so difficult for uh, what is holding us back as SPE to have our own team? Besides cheaper, you, you know, PE team, basically in the PSM, or because in the past we used to have better teams like PE Blackpools and, and others. We've got uh, players who've made it in the, even in the PSM era. This was this was Warren Jack, Kenneth Harris, and yourself. Even Williams, uh, in, in Super Sport, 
what is holding us back because we've got massive talent here. And also, thank you a lot for the massive contribution in the Paganina fold in the South African sport and the world. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Mzu, then. Very quickly, Colin in Cape Town, and then you get to answer, Dane. Colin, you're live okay. on the air. Hi, good evening. Hi, how are you keeping? Oh, fine, fine. Dane, hello there. Good evening, sir. Um, the question I wanted to ask was already asked about the um, finances. You know, I often wonder, you get these up-and-coming stars, boxers, athletes, all sports people. Uh it's normally at the age of, what, 17, 18, 19, when they come into the limelight and they earn big bucks. Uh, shouldn't it be up to the clubs in a contract that there's a sort of a pension or a provident fund from your earnings goes to the club, and they invest it for you. And if you get uh, transferred or you go to another club, that money gets carried over from that club, and you know you've got a bit of money in a kitty. If your um, uh, soccer career or your athletes or your tennis or whatever it is, sports, uh, go to 15, 20 years at least, they've got money put away mm-hmm. for those rainy days. Now, I know they take out insurance, but insurance is a different kettle of fish. So many boxers, so many athletes, so many soccer players have retired through injury or age, and they are penniless. So I think it's up to the clubs. It's up to the clubs to advise them, because these guys are young. Mm. They need financial advisors. You know what I mean? Transfer your money. If you want to go to one club, to another club, don't draw that money. Transfer to another club and they invest it for you, yeah. so and so. So if you do retire or get injured permanently and you can't play anymore, at least you've got some money put mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Thank Dane. You. Thank you so much to Colin as well as Mzu there for those questions. I think clubs do do that, right, Dane? But it isn't like you have a gun to your head. Um, it's entirely up to you whether you want to do that or not. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Uh, uh, there's no forced way of 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 doing it or enforce on enforcing it. You know, um, I also actually spoke to uh, the SARS people when they came to to uh, to to the club when I was still at Wits. They came around to some of the well, most of the PSL clubs. They went around, you know, and we even asked them, you know, uh, for example, with te- on tax and on, on bonuses and sign-on fees is big amounts, you know, so you get taxed more mm-hmm. up to forty-five, forty-three percent. Mm-hmm. You get taxed, you know. So we even asked them, you know, can't they take off that lump sums instead of taxing the soccer players 43%, you tax them 33%, yeah. for example, and that 10% goes into something like a provident fund or like a, uh, something for your retirement, you know, like the, like the, like the gentleman just mentioned mm. now. Mm. You know, mm. uh, so there's been there's been ways and means, and I know there's people fighting over it, and I think the, the players' union is also fighting for something like that. Definitely. For the clubs to do, but I think it's definitely something uh, that should be addressed. Yeah, and Mzu's asking, I mean, in terms of the talent out in PE, um, what is holding us back, he says? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I've learned in PE is that people don't want to work together towards one common goal. You know, um, everybody uh, in sports or whatever, yeah, in PE, the mentality is, is not as, as good as I'd say I've learned in Johannesburg, where people mm. try and help each other over there with many teams and many clubs and, Why? you know, helping Why? each other. And, you know, it's an old mentality, AMP, so uh, people don't want to work with each other. So, for example, you, you try and do something good and, and someone doesn't, they don't like what you're doing and they go tell other people that I'm doing the wrong things and then that's just been a trend in P and 
I've learned mm-hmm. it over the years, and even mm-hmm. now that I'm here, you know, it's still, still the same. Have you had some of that backlash when it is that you reached out and you wanted to do good in Galvandale? No, not really in Galvandale. Not okay. really to myself, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people approach me because of because of the name I have and the weight I carry in a little bit. So I think uh, when it comes to me, people are, are more willing to work with me because I because I've achieved so much in the game, especially when it comes to football things, mm. you know. But uh, there's other people I can't, I, like I'm saying, I can't do it on my own, you know. Yeah, so yeah. a friend of mine, other friend, and other friends will have uh, problems that they had years ago, you know, from other generations, mm. and they will bring it up into to this generation, and they were not willing to work. To, together towards one common goal. Yeah. That's the biggest problem I found. Mm. Oh, very quickly, going to our WhatsApp line, there's a few more questions for you, Dan. Okay. Uh, anyway, I've got a question for Tony Kroos. In fact, I would like to You're more than welcome. Going to our next one. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're more than welcome. Um, never made it to the front pages, always the back pages. Dane, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing. I think, uh, again, the values that I grew up with, obviously, at home, you know, and um, it's what's important. Sometimes footballers lose uh, lose their way because they don't appreciate what they have. And I think that's the one thing that helped me is that I always put uh, put my career first before mm-hmm. any other thing. You know, I had parties. I went out, you know, enjoyed myself. But the when and the how, how I did it, you know, was important. Yeah. Um, I think he, he said you were hell-bent on beating Chiefs, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. Actually, I grew up supporting Pirates. So, obviously, you know, I always wanted to beat Chiefs. You can't lose against... Chiefs in the derby, and mm. that's why I always made sure. You know, I hardly, I think I, I won a lot more against Chiefs than, I, than I've lost against him. Yeah, I love the other question. Your sports icon, who who is it? Uh, yeah, I, I really, growing up, you know, growing up, you look up to different sports. I was a lot into cricket and soccer. So, you know, when I started watching football, Maradona was on our screens. But I think when I watched the 1998 World Cup, I think it really hit her on. And, and um, Ronaldo, the striker from Brazil, had mm. everything a footballer should have. The speed, mm. the skill, the technique and everything. The speed of thought. I, I used to think this guy, how can he think so fast, you know, running so fast and still being able to think. So I think those type of type of uh, icons, when you look at them, you know, they inspire you. And um, uh, I think Ronaldo, for me, the one from Brazil, is definitely one, the one player that really made me my passion for the game yeah. much, much stronger. Yeah. Do the boys miss seeing you on television and playing and, and getting to cheer you on? Uh, not at the moment, you know. I don't think so. They haven't really mentioned it that much. I think they're more into their own football careers now. And uh, they. I think they're looking forward to me coaching them because I coached Zach last year and this year I was supposed to coach Alex at his under, because he's coming up to under 10 and Zach's going to under 12. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think, yeah, they're more looking forward to me coaching them than anything else at the moment. <laughs> and I've been fortunate enough, lucky enough, to have some equipment here at home and I just put them through the places in the yard. 
That's amazing. I'm going to take a very quick break. And when we come back, we talk, are you writing a book? I mean, you are retired or you retired as the most successful footballer in PSL history. Please hold. Twenty minutes after five o'clock, right here on the Touchline. I'm Romy Titus. I'm with you through till six p.m. and uh, in conversation with Dane Clay, just chatting about what it is that he's up to lately. Um, and he is keeping very busy. I mean, retiring doesn't mean resting on his laurels. Dane, I mean, uh, uh, is there a book in the making? Um, are you sitting down documenting absolutely everything that you've? Uh, been able to achieve in your years as as a footballer. I mean, six six league titles, Supersport, Pirates, Vits. Um, how many other players can we say have have done the same thing? Yeah, I think uh, something gave some thought a lot, you know. And obviously, hopefully, sometime soon I'll be able to to do that. But I think I've got a good story to share because of, um, I came from the development of School of Excellence. So uh, obviously, I think from my my story started there to me retiring. Um, uh, after after playing for Chippa United there in B, mm-hmm. I think uh, I think that's a very very good story to tell. You know, there's a lot of success in in between there. There's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of sacrifice. So, I think I can definitely come up with something good. You know, and hopefully, not only uh, I was I was saying the other day. You know, a book like Tekamodisi's book, for example, should be in schools. Mm. You know, and uh, learners should 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 be reading that in life skills or whatever subject it is. You know, yeah. life orientation or something like that. You know, so. Uh, for me, I think yeah, it's definitely something worth doing, and 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 for to put it in schools, like I'm saying, you know, in high schools, you know, before before players, uh, before young aspiring athletes want to make it in football, not only in football in life as well. I think there's a lot mm. of lessons to learn from from those type of books. Yeah, definitely. So a book in the making, a movie in the making would be nice too. Who would play you? Uh, I have absolutely no clue. Would play with probably <laughs> someone that has a left foot. I think. <laughs> I think both my boys are right-footed, so I think someone with a left foot. <laughs> and that would that would be a good start. Dane, to anybody listening, perhaps in the PE area, doesn't even have to be who wants to lend a helping hand and be a part of the movement that you started with the food parcels. How do they go about, you know, reaching out to you, or getting in touch? Yeah, well, I'm on, I'm on social media platforms. They can obviously contact me there and, and see how best they can. You know, we're on the verge of obviously setting up a foundation. 
uh, with the bank details and all of those type of things, you know. But it's basically just through e-wallets and cash sends at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one of my friends is handling all those. Everything goes to his number and everything gets taken down on record. People's okay. names and surnames and yeah, uh, which amount they have so that we can keep a track on who who has given what, you know. So, yeah, but uh, we'll be releasing a video, I think, this week sometime about all of us, you know, on on, on giving a little bit more PR. You know, I know people out there, uh, some people out there are saying that you shouldn't be really posting your, your donations, mm-hmm. but we're not really doing that, you know. We're not going to go to people's house and hand it over and take pictures of the people and post it on social media. But what we are doing is we, we, we're, we're posting the stock that we have, uh, that, we, that, we, that we're getting in, uh, like the oil and the different type of groceries, you know, for, okay. for that, for, for our PR purpose, show the people what we're doing, mm. you know, because it's important people to have a little bit of... of and I guess those of, giving you money as well would like to see what it is that you've purchased, so that, on their that, behalf... Yes, that's it. Yes, that's it. Yes. So it's not about uh, us looking for for points or for likes or for retweets. You know what? It's basically just for awareness. We will we'll be posting on on social media. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, but anybody that's looking for me can just send me a DM on social media or just try to connect me via Twitter, Instagram. You know, and uh, I'll try and respond as best as best as I can. Awesome, Dane. It's been a pleasure chatting. Thank you for spending time with us on the Sunday afternoon. And everything of the best on your side. My love to your family. Will do. You're welcome. Thank you. Keep on me. You Thank too. you. Dane Clayton there, just having a word with us about life after retiring and keeping really busy. I mean, getting his coaching licenses, knowing that this is the way he wants to go. And I think that many a times we've spoken about uh, former footballers and where they are today, penniless, as Colin has said. And there are just so many different avenues for them to take, Colin. You know, I have been a part of many a press conference with uh, taking out life insurance, for example, or even investing your money. And the beauty of the whole thing is I often liken it to the uh, time in my my life when I actually read out lotto numbers, right? Um, I was a part of that and people would use, win huge cash. I mean, 40 million, 50 million, money that is completely unfathomable. And they'd actually have to go into some sort of money management prior to getting their money. And a lot of times people would say, but you're trying to steal my money when it is that they get investing um, advice from professionals. They're saying, but you're stealing my money. Why are you taking that? Where are you putting that million that you're taking from? my 10 million that I have now won and in no time uh, those very people would go from rags to riches and back to rags for not really understanding the financial literacy uh, part of it. And I think a lot of the times we struggle with that. Education is power, I always say, when applied. And here I think there does need to be greater awareness around the 10 years that you play football, how you can make your money work for you and look at future beyond football. The South African Football Players Union has tried to do the same thing as well. Um without any luck, I think. So I think the onus is on everybody. You know, Colin, I think uh, you make a great point as that little pocket purse that gets carried from club to club, but the onus is on you. I mean, I look at myself and I think, what will 60-year-old Romy do? Have I saved enough? And the onus is on every single one of us to take responsibility for our own selves and know that one day when I can't be behind the mic anymore, what will I do? What will you be doing?